We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Go episode 403 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Tuesday, September 20th, 2022. Well, the good news is that our one and one commanders will be beginning 2022 NFC East play this Sunday afternoon with a home game against an opponent coming off a short week. The bad news is that that opponent is the two and doe Philadelphia Eagles, who uh, looked rather good. On Monday Night Football, a 24-7 ripping of the Minnesota Vikings as our friend, our pal, my guy, former Redskins quarterback Kirk Cousins, lost on Monday Night Football again. Uh, MNF has been an MFR for, for old Kirky. Uh, he now, in his NFL regular season career, is a 2-10 on Monday Night Football. 2-10 on Monday Night Football. The narrative that Kirk has been bad in all primetime games is wrong. That is fake news. Kirk has done well on Sunday Night Football and Thursday Night Football and Saturday Night Football, but Monday Night Football has been the Kirk Cousins kryptonite. But whatever, he's long gone from our team. The Eagles, yeah, they look good. Uh, Their top corner, Darius Slay, he on Monday night did an excellent job on the Viking stud receiver, Justin Jefferson. Uh, Darius Slay versus Justin Jefferson on Monday night per Pro Football Focus. Six targets, one catch allowed, two interceptions. And then there is the Eagles quarterback, Jalen Hurts. He carved up Washington twice last season. He on Monday night went 26 of 31 for 333 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. He took three sacks, but he had 11 carries for 57 yards and two touchdowns. It's a good thing that the Commanders have a dominant defense for which Jalen Hurts should be no problem. Uh, Hello and welcome to a Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. What's going to happen in Commanders-Eagles at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon? Commanders in Week 1 beat the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field 28-22. Commanders in Week 2 lost at the Detroit Lions 36-27. Big game in week three for the Commanders. By the way, how about what the Lions did on Monday morning? Did you see this? 
The Lions on Monday morning put out a tweet trolling the commanders big time. Uh, The tweet was a photoshopped photo, I think anyway, uh, of a coffee mug with the commander's W logo in white with a silver lining, as in lion silver, uh, in front of an outline of the state of Michigan in lion's blue. So Commander's W in front of an outline of the state of Michigan, written above the photo, quote, that victory Monday coffee hits different, end quote. Obvious reference to the Commander's team truck on on September 11th, selling coffee mugs with the Commander's W logo in front of the outline of the state of Washington, as opposed to an outline of the city of Washington, D.C. Another screw-up by the Commanders, and uh, this ends up serving as fodder for a team that beat the Commanders. Nice troll job, Lions. You see, that's how rough that loss on Sunday afternoon was. The loss gave fuel to the lowly Lions to bebop and scat all over the Commanders. Uh, Well, we on Monday afternoon had the day after the game Zoom press conference of Commanders head coach Ron Rivera. And coming up, I'm going to get into every notable thing that Ron said. Uh, Next segment, I'll discuss the Commanders offense and Commanders special teams, including bad injury news for the Commanders and comments from Ron on what happened with the Commanders offensive line and running game on Sunday afternoon. And then in the segment after the next segment, I'm going to go heavy on the commander's defense. Uh, You know, the age-old question when a unit is struggling is players or coaches, which group is most deserving of the blame? I tell you, Ron on Monday afternoon made it quite clear that the defensive scheme isn't the problem with the commander's defense. The execution of the defensive scheme is the problem with the commander's defense, i.e., don't blame us coaches, blame the players. Is he right or is he just covering for himself? and his staff. Uh, I have some thoughts. Uh, Also on the show, I'll talk Nationals and Orioles. Each team lost on Monday night for the Nats, a 5-2 loss at the National League wildcard leading Atlanta Braves, despite another impressive performance by first baseman slash right fielder Joey Manessis for the O's, a hideous 11-0 loss to the Detroit Tigers at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. The Tigers have the second worst record in the American League, and yet the O's on Monday night got blasted by the Tigers. Not good. Uh, you can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Scott on the deployment of linebacker Jamin Davis and the commander's top three corners. Uh, right, Scott? Why do we not use Jamin Davis like the Dallas Cowboys use Micah Parsons? And zone is no good. We need William Jackson the third and Benjamin St. Juice playing man and Kendall Fuller playing the slot in zone. Uh, Thank you for the email, Scott. Uh, Well, (laughs) obviously, Jamin Davis isn't Micah Parsons. Uh, Micah Parsons is the best linebacker in the NFL, although calling him a linebacker really doesn't do him justice. He's like this defensive weapon who can be used in all kinds of ways. Micah Parsons has set a new NFL record for most sacks over a player's first career 18 regular season games, 17 sacks. He over two games in this 2022 regular season already has four sacks. Uh, Jamin Davis is not Micah Parsons, but yes, I do get the point. Uh, There clearly is something off 
with what's happening with Jamin Davis. You know, Jamin at the Lions did make some plays. That sack that he had was nice. Lions' first offensive drive was the opening drive of the game, resulted in a first quarter three and out, fourth snap of the drive. Jamin Davis, a third and 12 sack of Jared Goff for a 12-yard loss. So Jamin came in unblocked on a stunt, tackled Goff to give the Lions a fourth and 24 at their 11. Uh, Credit to interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne on the play for occupying Lions blockers, and that created the space through which Jamin ran in for the sack, but Jamin had the sack. Uh, He also had some nice run stops in the game as well, but even Ron Rivera, during his post-game press conference on Sunday, threw some shade on Jamin. Uh, Take a listen. Well, we had a little inconsistency, and and again, as a young guy, he's going to learn and grow. But you know, hey, we're running out of time as far as that concerned. We got to go out and we got to be consistent. You know, and that's a big part of it. He's got to, he's got to continue to work it and get better at it. He had some good things, did some good things in the run, and then there's some things that he was inconsistent at. Yeah, and when you combine those comments from Rod Rivera during his post-game press conference on Sunday with what defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio said about Jamin Davis during Jack's post-practice press conference this past Thursday afternoon, it's clear that Ron and Jack are not thrilled with Jamin and feel like calling him out publicly is the way to get the best football out of him. Uh, We'll see if that works, but there already are signs that that isn't working. Uh, Did you see what came out on Monday? Uh, that Jamin Davis's Instagram account had posted a clip from the movie Django Unchained. Uh, the post has since been deleted, but the clip is the following. Here you go. Thanks together for you ungrateful sons of bitches, and all I can hear is criticize, criticize, criticize. Yeah, <laughs> uh, not hard to figure out what Jamin Davis was trying to get across with that post on his Instagram. Uh, This Jamin Davis situation is not going well. Uh, The problem with Kendall Fuller in the slot is that the belief is that he, at this point in his career, is better suited for the outside. Now, Fuller's numbers in the slot for Pro Football Focus for last season weren't bad, but the defense did play better last season once Fuller started playing more on the outside. And playing the slot does demand a short-range quickness that veteran corners don't always have. Now, it's a little tricky with Kendall Fuller. He's not ancient. I mean, this season is only his age 27 season, but this is his seventh NFL season, so he does have significant NFL mileage on his body, and he does have a history of knee trouble. The Redskins took Kendall Fuller, uh, who went to Good Council High School in only Maryland, uh, in the third round of the 2016 NFL draft out of Virginia Tech. He was considered a potential first-round talent, but he fell in that draft due to having undergone micro-fracture surgery on his right knee while at Virginia Tech in September 2015. Email from Joe on the commander's defense, having allowed low completion percentages to quarterbacks over the team's first two games in this 2022 regular season. Writes Joe, great show as always. Uh, Jags and Lions both dropped an inordinate amount of passes. Ignore Trevor Lawrence's and Jared Goff's completion percentages against the commanders. They could easily be 0-2 without some of those drops. Uh, Thank you for the email, Joe. Uh, Yeah, both the Jags and the Lions did have some drops against the Commanders. But, you know, you can play that game with just about every team. I mean, the Commanders have had drops. Uh, Receiver Curtis Samuel and tight end John Bates each had a drop in that win over the Jags. Uh, Receiver Terry McLaurin and running back Antonio Gibson each had a drop in the loss at the Lions. Uh, But look, (laughs) there is no need for us to split hairs on this, okay? The commander's defense was not good 
at the Lions, period. The defense in the win over the Jags was mixed. The defense in the loss at the Lions was bad. Well, if your lawn is in a bad way, if the look of your lawn is akin to the look of the commander's defense this past Sunday afternoon at the Lions, then you gotta get with Weedman. Weedman cares for your lawn so that you don't have to. Weedman provides what your lawn needs to look great. Fertilization, weed control, aeration, seeding, and a variety of other services. If you don't have the time or the knowledge to make your lawn look great, no worries. Let Weedman take care of your lawn and take advantage of a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a fall tune-up at a great price and aeration and two fall fertilization services for just $219. That's about $100 off the usual price for those services. Call 571-340-3400 and mention the Al Galdi podcast for the special offer. A beautiful spring lawn starts in the fall. Take advantage of this special offer and put Wheatman to work for you. Wheatman is a national network of locally owned franchises, so you'll receive the personal service that you deserve. Wheatman answers your phone calls and emails promptly. Wheatman does what it says that it's going to do. Uh, all of that sounds simple, and it is, but it's not nearly as common as it should be. Uh, also, Weedman uses superior products that really improve your soil. Weedman's products are of the highest quality. Uh, Weedman does not cut corners, and Weedman only treats what needs to be treated. If you are not satisfied with your lawn or with who is treating your lawn, get with Weedman and take advantage of a really good offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. A fall tune-up at a great price, an aeration, and two fall fertilization services for just $219. That's about $100 off the usual price for those services. Call 571-340-3400 and mention the Al Galdi podcast for the special offer. That phone number again, 571-340-3400. And make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast so that you get the special deal. You can also Google Weedman and make a web request. Just make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast. Weedman, a great lawn at a great price with great personal service. Well, it's a funny thing how things can play out in an NFL season. If I would have told you two weeks ago that two games into the Commanders 2022 regular season, quarterback Carson Wentz would have seven touchdown passes and the Commanders defense would have held opponents to a combined seven of 25 on third downs, you would have signed up for those numbers in a heartbeat. And I don't think that anyone listening has a problem with those numbers, but because the Commanders are coming off a 36-27 loss, at the Detroit Lions this past Sunday afternoon to fall to one and one. Uh, nobody's exactly celebrating those numbers right now. Uh, we on Monday afternoon had Commander's head coach Ron Rivera's a day after the game Zoom press conference. Uh, the previous Monday, he did the presser in person and at a podium, but he on Monday afternoon of this week did the presser via Zoom from his office uh, while he was eating. <laughs> By the way, uh, that was kind of funny. Ron was stuffing his face while he did the presser, and uh, also while he seemed to be watching something on television, he actually seemed to be distracted for some of the presser. Uh, maybe Ron was watching some daytime TV. Maybe he was watching General Hospital, okay? I don't know. Uh, but anyway, uh, next segment, I'll talk Commander's defense. This segment, I'll talk Commander's offense and also Commander's special teams. Uh, so bad news on Monday. It looks like center Chase Rulier is going to be out for a while. Uh, Chase and the loss at the Lions left the game with exactly one minute left in the fourth quarter due to what reportedly 
is a right knee injury. Uh, Rod Rivera, during his day after the game Zoom press conference on Monday afternoon, said that Chase probably will be going on the reserve injured list, but with a chance to be back this season. But ESPN NFL insider Jeremy Fowler on Monday afternoon tweeted the following, quote, Washington starting center Chase Roulier is in danger of missing the rest of the season due to significance of knee injury per source. Surgery considered a viable option, but second opinion coming end quote. So great, right? Uh, Just what the commanders needed, their starting center potentially being done for the season, a second consecutive season for Chase in which his season is severely impacted by injury, if not ended by injury. It was Chase's left leg that got hurt last season. Chase in a loss at the Denver Broncos last Halloween suffered a season-ending fractured left fibula and damage to his left ankle. And keep in mind that the commanders for the loss at the Lions were without their second and third string centers. Uh, Center Tyler Larson is on the reserve physically unable to perform list uh, on which he was placed on August 23rd due to an Achilles injury that he suffered in the loss to the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field last December 12th. And guard slash center Wes Schweitzer on Sunday afternoon was inactive due to a left hamstring injury with which he dealt in the win over the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field in week one, and Washington's fourth string center from last season, Keith Ismail, is gone. Uh, the commanders on September 5th released Ismail with an injury settlement, and he now is on the San Francisco 49ers practice squad. So the options at center beyond Wes Schweitzer for now would seem to be Sadiq Charles, Wes Martin, and John Toth in some order. Uh, Sadiq is on the 53-man roster, Martin and Toth are on the practice squad. Uh, The commander's offensive line in the loss at the Lions did not have a great game. Uh, The commanders for the game allowed five sacks and 11 quarterback hits uh, and paved the way for a running game that did not do much. Now, some of the sacks and pressures were on play calling and or on Carson Wentz, but, you know, that was not a banner performance for the commander's offensive line, especially in a first half in which the Commanders got outscored by the Lions 22-0. The Commanders, in that nightmare of a first half, allowed four sacks and generated two first downs. Uh, that's not good, right? When you as an offense for a half <laughs> have double the number of sacks allowed as you have first downs. Rod Rivera on Monday afternoon on what happened with the Commanders offensive line in the first half of the loss at the Lions. They were off in the first half. You know, um, I think... Um, we we you know we we missed a protection, um, we missed a couple of run blocks, um, and uh, got to give them credit on, a, on on one in particular. They were able to cover pretty doggone well, and um, and we didn't have time to throw the ball. No, you did not. Uh, I mentioned the commander's running game. Brian Robinson Jr. remains on the reserve non-football injury or illness list. Uh, The commanders put him on that on September 1st off him having been shot uh, in a leg and hip in an incident in Washington, D.C. on August 28th. Robinson, by the way, traveled with the commanders to Detroit and was out on the field during warm-ups on Sunday morning. But the commander's primary running backs on Sunday afternoon again were Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick. They combined for 17 carries for 37 yards and a touchdown, uh, 2.18 yards per carry. In fact, the commander's most dynamic runners on Sunday afternoon were receivers Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin and quarterback Carson Wentz. Uh, Those three guys combined for four carries 
for 51 yards. But Gibson and McKissick combined for 17 carries for 37 yards and a touchdown. Rod Rivera on Monday afternoon on why the commanders on Sunday afternoon had a hard time establishing the run. I, th- I think, first of all, um, we went out, we went too many three and outs initially. Um, so I, I think when that happens, you don't get a chance to establish much because we really didn't get into a rhythm. Um, we, 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 we got it going in the second half, mostly because we were having success um, throwing the ball. And then we had a little success running it, which made our play actually more effective. And uh, it's unfortunate, you know, that we didn't get an opportunity to, to you know, control it earlier. I mean, if, if you go back and you could play, you know, just one half of football, I'd love to just play the second half because, you know, unfortunately we, we won that, but we didn't win the game. No, you did not. Uh, Antonio Gibson in the loss at the Lions, 14 carries for 28 yards and a touchdown and two receptions for 13 yards on four targets and playing on 54% of the commander's offensive snaps. J.D. McKissick in the loss at the Lions, three carries for nine yards and seven receptions for 54 yards on seven targets and playing on 46% of the commander's offensive snaps. Uh, As for commander's special teams on Sunday afternoon, uh, well, (laughs) they were bad. Uh, I tell you, this loss at the Lions was a bad look for the commander's in a lot of ways. Uh, kicker Joey Sly did not attempt a single field goal, but he went just one or two on extra point attempts. He missed the extra point attempt that followed Carson Wentz's fourth quarter, third and goal, one yard shotgun touchdown pass to receiver Jahan Dodson on the first snap after the two minute warning. And so the commanders only cut the Lions deficit to nine at 36 27. Uh, the commanders allowed 85 yards over two kickoff returns. Uh, Lions receiver Khalif Raymond had a 52 yard kickoff return on the kickoff that followed the first quarter safety of Carson Wentz, and the ensuing Lions offensive drive resulted in a touchdown. Quarterback Jared Goff's late first quarter, third and five, 13 yard shotgun touchdown pass to receiver Amon Ross St. Brown. And Lions running back Justin Jackson had a 33 yard kickoff return on the kickoff. That followed Antonio Gibson's fourth quarter first and goal one-yard shotgun handoff touchdown run, and the ensuing Lions offensive drive there resulted in a touchdown. Jared Goff's fourth quarter first and 10, 11-yard under center play action touchdown pass to Amonra St. Brown. Uh, punter Tressway, uh, he over six punts, averaged 47.3 yards per punt and 42.7 net yards per punt. Those numbers are fine, but Way had a first quarter 62-yard punt for a touchback that should have been downed inside the Lions 5 by corner Kristen Holmes, but was not downed. Uh, receiver Dax Milne was the commander's primary punt returner and kickoff returner. He did well on punt returns. Uh, Milne, over three punt returns, averaged 11 yards per punt return. Uh, he had a first quarter three-yard punt return, a late second quarter 11-yard punt return, and a third quarter 19-yard punt return. But his kickoff returns did not go as well. Uh, Milne, over six kickoff returns, averaged 21.3 yards per kickoff return. He had a first quarter 19-yard kickoff return from three yards deep in the end zone to the commander's 16. Uh, Had he just taken a knee in the end zone, the ensuing commander's offensive possession would have started at their 25. So his decision to take the ball out cost the commander's nine yards. Uh, He late in the first quarter had a mere 13-yard kickoff return of a kickoff 
to the Commanders' three. Uh, but Milne did have a 33-yard kickoff return on the opening kickoff of the third quarter. But this was Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon on Dax Milne on kickoff returns. You got to give them a little credit. They did something a little different. Um, and when they they would go down and they were crossing their guys. Uh, secondly, the second thing that happened was they um, one of their guys was special teams guy got elevated to starter because they had to put one of their starters down, which meant they inserted a new player. And so we were trying to figure out where that guy fit in their scheme. And unfortunately, we didn't get him blocked. The next time we took the ball out from the on the kickoff return, we took it to the 29. That's because we knew now knew where, where this guy was lined up and how we had to play him. So once we did that, we got out to the 29. Then we came out. In the second half on the opening kickoff, same thing. I took it out to the 35. So I guess what I'm telling you is that you got to give them credit for that. You know what I'm saying? But we were able to adjust to it. Then we took one out to the 29-yard lane, and then we took one out to the uh, 35. So, you know, that's what happened on that. Um, Based on if you watch that last one that we got out to the 35, that was was one more – step away from probably going the distance, if not out to half to midfield. Um, that did help energize us because on the, that series, we scored um, a touchdown. So we got a little bit of energy from, from Dax returning the kickoff. All right. So a mixed bag for the commanders on kickoff returns on Sunday afternoon. But overall, a lot of things not to like from commander special teams in that loss at the Lions. Well, there are many things to like about the law firm of Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace treats its clients with respect and dignity and wants what is best for the firm's clients. Paulson and Nace will treat you, your family, and your situation with the care and expertise that you deserve. And Paulson and Nace is excellent at what it does. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. Heck, this past July, Paulson and Nace won a case for which the United States government must pay nearly one Point eight million dollars. Uh, this to a former American University field hockey player because of a military doctor's failure to diagnose and treat the student for a 2011 concussion that left her with permanent symptoms. Uh, you may have read about this. Paulson and Nace took on the U.S. government and won. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. And don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let the family of Paulson and Nace 
Take care of your family. Well, let's now talk Commander's defense off what went down with them falling to 1-1 one one with the 36-27 loss at the Detroit Lions on Sunday afternoon. And off head coach Rod Rivera's comments at his day after the game Zoom press conference on Monday afternoon. Uh, I want to first say two things. Number one, while the Commander's defense was a major reason for the loss at the Lions, uh, the defense certainly wasn't the only reason. The Commanders in the first half were terrible offensively. Uh, the offense was better in the second half, but the offense in the first half was really bad. So the loss isn't 100% on the defense. Uh, number two, I do not believe that the Commanders should fire defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio. Uh, not right now, anyway. If the defensive struggles continue, uh, then we can talk, okay? But I would like to see if Jack and his defense can figure things out. The defense, remember, did get better as last season went on. Uh, was, in fact, significantly better over the final nine games of the regular season as compared to over the first eight games. Although even within those final nine games, were some bad performances. Uh, I get that a lot of you are done with Jack Del Rio. Trust me, I do. And I'm certainly not thrilled with him, okay? I still have a hard time understanding him this past May in that in-house interview with Julie Donaldson, the team's senior vice president of media and content, blaming Washington's bad defense in the first half of the 2021 regular season in part on defensive backs no-showing various portions of Washington's 2021 offseason program. Like, it's still odd to me that he brought that up, and that really did come across like excuse-making. But if you're being fair, Jack Del Rio does have a track record of presiding over good defenses. The notion that Jack has been a terrible defensive coach in the NFL is wrong. Uh, Jack, as Carolina Panthers defensive coordinator in 2002, took the Panthers from ranking number 21 in the NFL in total defense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric for the 2001 regular season to number three for the 2002 regular season. Uh, Jack was the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach from 2003 through 2011. The Jags, over those nine regular seasons, finished in the top 10 in the NFL in total defense per DVOA five times. Uh, Jack was the Denver Broncos defensive coordinator from 2012 through 2014. The Broncos rankings in total defense in the NFL per DVOA in those regular seasons were number five in 2012, number 15 in 2013, and number four in 2014. Now, it is true that a lot of that good work happened years ago now. And it's also true that Jack, as the Oakland Raiders head coach from 2015 through 2017, had Raiders defenses that weren't particularly good. But it's also true that Jack's Washington defense for the 2020 regular season was quite good. So I am willing to let Jack try to work through this. I may well be in the minority on this, but I would like to see Jack in his defense try to figure this thing out, but there's no question the leash on old JDR is shortening, okay? I mean, there's no getting around that at this point. Uh, Ron Rivera, since the end of the loss at the Lions regarding the commander's defense, has emphasized the explosive plays that the commanders gave up. Uh, the commanders allowed the Lions to generate three plays, each of at least 49 yards, allowed the Lions to generate six plays each of at least 22 yards. The very first question that Ron got asked on Monday afternoon was about what stuck out to him in watching the tape of the loss at the Lions. Uh, here was Ron's answer. Well, probably a little bit of the um, biggest problem more than anything else was uh, just 
too many explosive plays. That's probably the biggest culprit of the of the day was uh, we gave up opportunities to not allow those plays. Um, those plays should have been kept to a minimal gains, and because we were out of position, uh, they got uh, they were able to exploit it. Yeah, the Lions' three plays, each of at least 49 yards on Sunday afternoon, totaled 157 yards. Uh, the Lions for the game had 425 total net yards of offense. So 36.9% of the Lions' total yardage in the game came on just those three plays. Uh, each play, of course, is its own entity, uh, but the specifics of the big plays given up by the Commanders do matter. Uh, no play in the loss at the Lions was more embarrassing for the Commanders' defense than running back DeAndre Swift's touchdown reception. Uh, Lions quarterback Jared Goff had a late third quarter, third and 15, 22-yard shotgun touchdown pass to DeAndre Swift on a reception on which Swift fell down off making the catch around the 20. But Swift then got back up and made safety Bobby McCain and corner Kendall Fuller miss on attempted tackles in route to the end zone. Uh, Swift ran through the commander's defense, ended up scoring untouched. The ensuing extra point gave the Lions a 29-15 lead. So let's think about this play. DeAndre Swift made the catch, fell down, got back up, ran inside, and ended up scoring untouched. And this happened on a third and 15 and off a catch that he made around the 20, okay? I mean, just a horrendous play for the commander's defense. Do you remember the end of first half Hail Mary touchdown bomb that Washington allowed in loss to the New Orleans Saints at FedEx Field last season? October 10th, 2021, the then Washington football team fell to 2-3, and three, a 33-22 loss to the Saints at FedEx Field. The final offensive play of the first half, Washington allowed quarterback Jameis Winston to connect on a first and 10, 49-yard shotgun touchdown bomb to receiver Marquez Calloway on a Hail Mary heave into a horde of bodies in the end zone. And neither Kendall Fuller nor fellow corner William Jackson III even jumped on that jump ball. Uh, the play for the NFL's next-gen stats had a completion probability of 9.9%, making the play the most improbable completion in the NFL up until that point in the 2021 regular season. The ensuing extra point gave the Saints a 2013 halftime lead. That play came to represent the disappointing nature of Washington's defense last season as much as any play. And this DeAndre Swift touchdown reception from this past Sunday afternoon is the same kind of play, a play so egregious from a defensive standpoint, a play so off-putting for you and me as Commanders fans that you can't help but think about the bigger picture, you know? You can't help but wonder about what exactly is going on here with this defense to where it allows a play like that to be made. Uh, anyway, take a listen to this. Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon with an interesting reveal about that DeAndre Swift touchdown reception. Well, when you talk about it is, you know, we had a, uh, we had a blitz call on the, uh, on, on one of the touchdowns. Um, the one where uh, Swift falls down and 
could we have called a, 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 a coverage? Yeah. But we're kind of hoping maybe we can get them and knock them out of a field goal range or make it a little bit longer field goal. And when you watch the tape like we do, we had a guy that didn't cover his guy. If our guy goes and hugs up on Swift with the way that ball was thrown like he should have, um, there's a chance we could have intercepted it, knocked it down, or made the tackle immediately, and they'll have to try and kick a field goal anyway. So, you know, so it's like I said, we could have sit there and, and played a uh, safe coverage, a, a zone coverage underneath, or we could have been aggressive, try to knock them back a little bit further, which we did. And unfortunately, we had one guy who did not do his job. So how about that? According to Rod Rivera, the ultra embarrassing DeAndre Swift touchdown reception on Sunday afternoon was a function of, quote, a guy that didn't cover his guy, end quote. How and why does that happen? How and why in year three of this Washington defense under head coach Rod Rivera and defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio, are there still as many missed assignments, as many MAs, as they are known, uh, as there are? I mean, the one thing that the commander's defense without question has is continuity, right? I mean, the team this past offseason made very few changes to the defense. So in theory, every player on the defense should have the defense down pad. Uh, Well, that's apparently not the case. The defense remains a work in progress. More from Rod Rivera on Monday afternoon. I think there there's some there's some things that we're still learning and getting working through, Um, you know, because the adjustments that uh, we worked on, uh, we worked on in OTAs, mini camp and training camp. And, you know, there's a couple of things that we got to get corrected. But more so than anything else, like I said, it, it the, the hard part was this game came down to six explosives. You know, it's that old thing that this game's going to come down to six plays you you make or you don't make. Um, well, there were six plays they made on their offensive side alone that really uh, gave us trouble. And um, again, as I said, to me, I, I'm not sure if, if I would put that much as much on schematics as much as I would, you know, some of the things that we got to do better. All right, so that last sentence from Ron Rivera pretty clearly was him saying scheme is not the problem. Execution of the scheme is the problem, i.e. coaches are not the problem. Players are the problem. Uh, Now, Ron may be right about that, okay? I'm not one of these people who always blames coaches and never blames players, but ask yourself this. If the players are not properly executing the scheme, And this is year three of the scheme, albeit with some tweaks. And the team has more or less the same defensive players who the team had last season. Uh, Well, maybe the scheme's the problem. Maybe the scheme is too complicated or is flawed in some other way. Uh, How about some of the comments from players in the game on Sunday afternoon? Uh, So the commanders on Sunday afternoon got victimized by Lions receiver Amon Ross St. Brown. Nine receptions for 116 yards and two touchdowns on 12 targets. And he had two carries for 68 yards. By the way, the Lions took St. Brown in the fourth round of the 2021 NFL Draft at a USC, exactly 30 picks after Washington took receiver Deami Brown in the third round of the 2021 Draft out of North Carolina. Diami in the loss at the Lions played on just one of the commander's offensive snaps. 
Uh, Washington drafted Brown when it should have drafted St. Brown, very clearly. But I digress. Amonra St. Brown, after the game, said that the Lions knew that the commander's defense did not handle bunch formations well. Uh, that was troubling for several reasons. A, that the commanders don't handle bunch formations well, but B, that the commanders not handling bunch formations well is something that is so apparent to an opponent and yet has not been corrected by the commanders. Think about that aspect of this. Here was Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon on what Amon Ross St. Brown said. Well, we gave up one big long pass play. Okay. I mean, that's yeah. that's all I can say on the matter. I mean, we, sure. we, we gave up one long, right? I mean, yeah. am I right on that? I'm right on that, right, Sean? We only gave up one long pass play. So, you know, I mean, we were, what, 30% on third down. Um, I mean, honestly, it comes down to, and you, you, you look at it, um, their first long pass, yeah, we 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 screwed up a a, um, a a a coverage there, and and it was a bunch formation on their first long pass run. Um, we misfit the gap. We got scooped. Um, we didn't fall back. We didn't get over the top. Um, and he was off to the races. I mean, so that's the sad part about it. That's the hard part for us as, as, as players and coaches that you look at it and you can sit there and say, man, we, we could have held those plays to minimum. It's like the jet sweep. We could have honestly held that play to a minimum, but we didn't because of one, one reason or another. All right. So a few things with that answer from Ron Rivera. When he says that the commanders only gave up one long pass play, uh, well, that's a bit misleading. Uh, so the commanders in the game allowed three plays, each of at least 49 yards. Uh, yes, only one of those plays was a pass play. And you heard Ron in that cut that I just played for you break down that play. First quarter, Amonra St. Brown wide open in the middle of the field out of Jared Goff. Third and three, 49-yard shotgun completion to St. Brown across the middle of the field. Uh, St. Brown being so open was the result of a miscommunication between William Jackson III and uh, fellow corner Benjamin St. Juice as both of them covered the same guy, leaving St. Brown wide open. But the commanders on Sunday afternoon also gave up a number of other significant pass plays. You know, Jared Goff had four other completions that each went for at least 18 yards. Goff for the game threw for 256 yards on 20 completions. That works out to 12.8 yards per completion. Understand it, 12.8 yards per completion would have ranked number one among all qualified quarterbacks in the NFL for the 2021 regular season. So this idea that the commanders only gave up one long pass play on Sunday afternoon is uh, rather misleading. Another notable postgame comment after the commanders' loss at the Lions came from safety Derek Forrest. Uh, he said the following after the game about the commanders' defensive struggles in a first half that the team lost to 22-0. Quote, it was a scheme. I felt like they knew exactly what we were in it was great offensive play calling, end quote. Boy, if that's not an indictment of coaching, I don't know what is. Here was Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon with his reaction to what Derek Forrest said. I don't think that. I think, I think what happened more so than anything else was 
we missed some opportunities to make plays. Okay, again, the message from Ron Rivera seems pretty clear. The scheme isn't the problem. Execution of the scheme is the problem. Uh, What about the commander's run defense? What up with that? Washington did finish the 2021 regular season number eight out of 32 NFL teams in run defense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric, but the commanders in the 2022 regular season have so far been woeful against the run. Uh, The win over the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field in week one, the commanders allowed Jags running backs Travis Etienne and James Robinson to combine for 15 carries for 113 yards and a touchdown, 7.53 yards per carry. And in the loss at the Lions in week two, the commanders allowed running backs DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, and Craig Reynolds, and receiver Amon Ross St. Brown to combine for 22 carries for 193 yards, 8.77 yards per carry. And this happened despite Swift being banged up and despite the Lions missing the entire starting interior of their offensive line. A Swift was questionable for the game due to an ankle injury. Lions starting center Frank Ragnow was inactive due to groin and foot ailments. Uh, Lions starting left guard Jonah Jackson inactive due to a finger injury. And Lions starting right guard Halapuli Vati Vaitai was on the reserve injured list due to a back injury. And yet still, the Lions ran the ball down the commander's throats. Uh, Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon on the commander's run defense. Well, first one was on their first long run. Again, um, we got scooped, two-headed, if you want, um, which basically means one of our D linemen got knocked out of his gap. Um, one of our linebackers didn't fall back like he should have, and one of our safeties didn't get to his spot. And those are just things that we have to do. We can't count on one guy to make the play. And then on, as I said, the jet sweep, you know, we got cracked and, you know, we were trying to match that guy and we didn't replace like we should have. So to me, it's, it's just, it's a matter of getting those little intricacies done. Yeah. And again, I come back to the questions of how and why, how and why are the intricacies not getting done? Uh, The commanders are dealing with depleted depth for the defensive line right now. So that certainly does help to explain, at least in part, the bad run defense. Edge defender Chase Young remains on the reserve physically unable to perform list on which he was placed on August 23rd due to the torn right ACL that he suffered in the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field last November 14th. Uh, Interior defensive lineman Fedarian Mathis is on the reserve injured list, uh, on which he was placed on September 12th due to a left knee injury, a reported torn left meniscus that he suffered in the first quarter of the win over the Jags in week one. Uh, Mathis underwent surgery this past Friday, and the commanders in the loss at the Lions lost two more defensive linemen. Daniel Wise suffered an ankle injury in the first half, and edge defender Casey Tuhill suffered a concussion in the first half. And so the playing time for the commander's top available defensive lineman in the win at the Lions was sky high. Uh, interior defensive lineman Deron Payne played on 87% of the commander's defensive snaps. That is a very high percentage for him. Uh, interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen played on 85% 
of the commander's defensive snaps. A very high percentage for him, especially when he considered that he was questionable for the game with a groin injury that he suffered in the win over the Jags in week one. Uh, edge defender Montez Sweat played on 85% of the commander's defensive snaps. That's a high percentage for him. Edge defender James Smith-Williams played on 70% of the commander's defensive snaps. Uh, We did have some roster moves for the commanders late Monday afternoon. So interior defensive lineman Donovan Jeter in the loss at the Lions played on 30% of the commander's defensive snaps off the team having just signed him to the 53-man roster as an unrestricted free agent on September 12th. But the commanders on Monday afternoon announced that they had released Jeter and claimed interior defensive lineman John Ridgway off waivers from the Dallas Cowboys who took Ridgway in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL Draft out of Arkansas. So the commanders have poached the Cowboys for interior defensive line help. Uh, While we're talking playing time on defense for the commanders on Sunday afternoon, uh, linebacker Jamin Davis's playing time was down. Uh, He and the win over the Jags in week one played on 93% of the commanders' defensive snaps. Jamin had the loss at the Lions in week two played on 62% of the commander's defensive snaps. Linebacker David Mayo, who did not play on any defensive snaps in week one, played on 26% of the commander's defensive snaps in week two. Uh, Cole Holcomb on Sunday afternoon played on 100% of the commander's defensive snaps. Uh, Defensive backs, no real surprises with playing time. Uh, With the corners, Kendall Fuller played on 100% of the commander's defensive snaps, William Jackson, the third, 95%. Benjamin St. Juice is 69%. And with the safeties, Derek Forrest played on 100% of the commander's defensive snaps. Remember, Cam Curl inactive for a second consecutive game due to the right thumb injury that he suffered in the 24-14 preseason loss at the Kansas City Chiefs on August 20th. Uh, Bobby McCain played on 95%. Of the commander's defensive snaps, Percy Butler, 5%. Jeremy Reeves, 5%. Up next, I'm talking Nationals. Uh, Nats first baseman slash right fielder, Joey Manessis. The nickname that we came up with for him on the Nats Chat podcast that I do with Nats insider Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com is Joey Fourbags because of all the home runs that he initially hit at the major league level. Uh, well, Joey on Monday night gave a new definition to Joey Fourbags. You'll understand why after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Well, one thing that we can say about the Nationals as they play out their 2022 season is that they are going to play a role in who wins the National League East. Uh, the best division race in the majors is the NL East race. Uh, as we speak on this Tuesday morning, the New York Mets hold a one-game lead on the Atlanta Braves atop the NL East. Uh, the Nats on Monday night began a three-game series at the NL wildcard leading Braves. The Nats from September 26th through the 28th have a three-game series against the Braves at Nationals Park. And the Nats from October 3rd through the 5th will conclude their 2022 season with a three-game series at the Mets. Uh, so yeah, the Nats are having a say in who wins the NL East, but the Nats, of course, also have the worst record in the majors, and uh, that record got even worse on Monday night. A 5-2 loss at the Braves. The Nats now are a major league worst, 51-96. and uh, The Braves' starting pitcher on Monday night was Kyle Wright. Uh, he's having a very nice season, and he continued to have a very nice season. Two runs in six innings, seven strikeouts versus one walk. The Nats did get eight hits off right and did finish the game with nine hits, but the Nats also finished the game with just one walk and just two runs, went two of eight with runners in scoring position, struck out 12 times. A rough game for Luke Voigt. He was the Nats starting DH and number five batter, 0 for 4 with four strikeouts and left four men on base. Luis Garcia as the Nats starting second baseman and number three batter, 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. We did, though, see the Nats' three biggest offensive bright spots in recent weeks all do well uh, to varying degrees. Joey Manessis, Ildemaro Vargas, and Lane Thomas. And yeah, I mean, that list of guys right there does say a lot about the state of the Nats, but those three guys have hit well for the Nats in recent weeks. Uh, Joey Manessis on Monday night was the Nats starting first baseman at number four batter. He went four for four with four singles and a stolen base. Uh, Manessis in the top of the second, a leadoff single to center field on an 0-2 pitch, and he had a stolen base. Manessis in the top of the fourth, a two-out opposite field single to right center field on a 1-2 pitch. Manessis in the top of the sixth, a leadoff single through the left side of the infield. And Manessis in the top of the eighth, a one-out single to left field on a 1-2 pitch. Uh, unfortunate that the Nats did not score in any of the innings in which Manessis had a single, but he did have four singles to go with a stolen base on Monday night. Your updated Joey Manessis OPS at the Major League level, 9-0-4. Uh, what a run for Joey Manessis here. The Nats on August 2nd, what was 2022 MLB trade deadline day, what was the day on which the Nats dealt right fielder Juan Soto and first baseman Josh Bell to the San Diego Padres, selected the contract of Joey Manessis from AAA Rochester. The Nats needed bats, needed player players, and Joey Manessis was one of those guys. Uh, so he was summoned to the majors. This is his age 30 season. This was his 10th minor league season. He had never played in a major league regular season game, and yet all he has done since being called up by the Nats is hit like an MVP candidate, and by the way, hit appreciably better than Juan Soto and Josh Bell have hit for the Padres since being dealt to San Diego. Uh, Nats manager Davey Martinez during his post-game session with reporters on Monday night on Joey Manessis. He uses the whole field. You know, he stays on the ball really well. Not afraid to hit with two strikes. Um, so he's been he's been doing well, man. I, you know, his, he works great at bat. So you know, I love watching him go up there and love watching him hit. But he also does uh, all the right things, you know, on defense and uh, both at first base and, and in the outfield. 
Yeah, the production from Joey Manessis continues. The production from Ildemaro Vargas continues. Uh, he on Monday night has an ad-starting third baseman and number six batter, two for four with a double and a single. A Vargas in the Nats two-run fifth, a leadoff double down the left field line. Vargas in the top of the sixth, a one-out opposite field single to left center field. Vargas's OPS for the Nats at the major league level now is 784. The Nats on August 1st selected the contract of Ildemaro Vargas from AAA Rochester. Uh, this was done off the Nats earlier in the day, having traded super utility man A. Ray Adrianza to the Braves. The Nats signed Vargas as a free agent this past May. Uh, this season is his age 30 season, and he has provided surprising production for the Nats since being summoned to the majors by them. And then Lane Thomas on Monday night as an ad starting right fielder and number one batter, one for three with a single and a walk. Also had an outfield assist. Thomas in the top of the first, a leadoff opposite field single through the right side of the infield. Thomas in the Nats, two run fifth, a two out five pitch walk. Lane Thomas now in this month of September, batting average at 324 on base percentage of 403, slugging percentage of 515. So Joey Manessis, Ildemaro Vargas, Lane Thomas all hitting for the Nats. Uh, the Nats on Monday night also got a big hit from Alex Call. He is a Nats starting left fielder and number two batter, one for four with an RBI double. He and that Nats two run fifth had a two out RBI double to left field to cut the Nats deficit to 4-2. But the Nats did lose the game, uh, and the reason for that was that their starting pitcher struggled. Corey Abbott was the Nats starting pitcher on Monday night. He allowed four runs in four innings, gave up six hits, a homer, a double, and four singles, issued two walks. He had no strikeouts in his outing. Uh, he over his four innings threw 69 pitches, 43 strikes, versus 26 balls. Abbott in the Braves, one run first, gave up a two-out solo homer to Austin Riley to left field uh, over the leaping and outstretched glove of Alex Cole for a one nothing Braves lead. You know, Abbott has had his moments for the Nats, but uh, he now in this 2022 regular season over 14 major league games, including seven starts, has an ERA of 485. Uh, the Nats' bullpen on Monday night was good. Three Nats relievers combined to allow one run in four innings. Andres Machado tossed a scoreless bottom of the fifth and a perfect bottom of the sixth. Uh, Steve Ciszek did have more issues. Bottom of the seventh, he allowed a run, gave up a leadoff full count homer to Eddie Rosario to right field for a 5-2 Braves lead. Ciszek also issued a hit-by-pitch of Vaughn Grissom and issued a two-out-four pitch walk of Dansby Swanson. Steve Ciszek in the 2022 regular season has issued 13 hit-by-pitches over just 60 into third innings, and his ERA now is at 462. He has not been good for the Nats this season. Mason Thompson was good on Monday night, scoreless spot of the eighth with two strikeouts despite beginning his appearance by giving up back-to-back -back singles. Game two for the Nats at the Braves Tuesday night at 7.20. Patrick Corbin will be the Nats starting pitcher. A horrible loss for the Orioles on Monday night. Uh, honestly, this may have been their worst loss of the season. An 11-0 loss to the Detroit Tigers at Oriole Park at Camden Yards in Game 1 of a three-game series. The Tigers have the second-worst record in the American League. The O's are fighting for their playoff lives, and yet the O's on Monday night at home got smashed by the Tigers. Uh, the O's now are 76 and 70 and are five games behind the Seattle Mariners 
for the American League's third wildcard spot. Uh, the O's on Monday night totaled just two hits, both of which were singles. The O's did work four walks, uh, but man, the offense did basically nothing. A bright spot was the return of Ryan Mountcastle. Uh, he was back from a one-game absence caused by a left elbow contusion. Mountcastle as the Orioles starting DH in number three batter, one for two with a single and two walks. Uh, the Orioles' starting pitcher was Tyler Wells. Uh, things did not go well for Wells. Uh, he allowed five runs in three innings. He gave up four hits, all of which were singles. He issued three walks. He did have three strikeouts. Uh, he over his three innings threw 66 pitches, threw a good number of balls, 39 strikes versus 27 balls. Now, Wells allowed one run in three innings, but he then got charged with four runs in a Tigers five-run fourth, during which he gave up two singles and issued two walks. Uh, so for Tyler Wells now in the 2022 regular season at the major league level, 23 starts, ERA of 425. This was Wells' third start since coming off the 15-day injured list. He was on that from July 28th to September 7th due to lower left side discomfort. He, at the time of going on the 15-day IL, had an ERA of 390 over 20 starts in the 2022 regular season. He is making the transition from reliever to starter. The transition overall has gone well, and the idea with him being back from the 15-day IL here is, well, build his arm back up, but do so at the major league level while the O's are in the midst of this playoff push. Uh, Wells, since coming off the 15-day IL, 4-1 loss to the Toronto Blue Jays at Oriole Park at Camden Yards on September 7th. One run in two innings, 6-2 win at the Nationals last Wednesday night, September 14th. Two runs in four innings, and then we got what we got on Monday night. Uh, and then the Orioles' bullpen in this game was a mess. Five Orioles relievers combined to allow six runs in six innings. Uh, Monday night, not a good night for the O's. And so the O's, since getting to 10 games above 500 at 71 and 61, are just 5 and 9. Uh, the O's are fading here. You know, we'll see if that changes. Uh, the O's have 16 games left in the 2022 regular season. This was O's manager Brandon Hyde during his postgame press conference on Monday night. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange. Well, we've talked a lot as a team, you know, as a, as a group and, and, uh, I just think right. I just think tonight was just nothing really went right for us, and hopefully we can rebound tomorrow, and that we'll turn the page on this, and and uh, you know hopefully hopefully Austin can give us some some innings tomorrow, and and uh, you know McKenna saved their pen tonight. That was a bonus, but uh, hopefully we play better tomorrow. What are those conversations that you're willing? To yeah, those are private. Those are those are in, in clubhouse conversations. So. Uh, yeah, but you got to play better tomorrow. Yes, you do. Game two against the Tigers at Oriole Park at Camden Yards Tuesday night at 7.05. Austin Voth will be the Orioles' starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 404, will feature a special guest, Commander's Insider, J.P. Finley of NBC Sports Washington. Uh, J.P. is one of my favorites. He's always a lot of fun to talk to, and we'll be going in-depth 
on the Commanders on Wednesday's show. Also on Wednesday's show, I'll talk Nationals and Orioles, and that's on Tuesday night at 7.20. We'll begin game two of a three-game series at the National League wildcard leading Atlanta Braves. The O's on Tuesday night at 7.05. We'll begin game two of a three-game series against the Detroit Tigers at Oriole Park and Camden Yards. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. Thanks together for you ungrateful sons of bitches, and all I can hear is criticize, criticize, criticize. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com